Well, well, well. Welcome to episode 101 of After the Gig. It's Jesse, your host. Once again, I'm back. And today on the show, I have the wonderful Cody Nelson, uh, who's a singer-songwriter who will actually be joining Carbon Leaf, who will be... He'll be opening for Carbon Leaf at the Sinclair shows in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and also the show in Burlington, Vermont, at Higher Ground. So I'm very excited to talk to him. And uh, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you guys. Episode 101, didn't really get to address it, or episode 100 last week, didn't really get to address it too much. We just kind of sat down and started talking, but it's a huge deal. And uh, thank all you listeners for checking it out. I really appreciate it. It's like, you know, never would I have dreamed to uh, have a bunch of people listen to me talk (laughs) a bunch over the course of 100 episodes. So 2019, you know, there was some on and off there with tours and all that and, uh, taking the summer off and everything to kind of recoup, recoup and uh, rejuvenate and um, relaunch it in the in the fall here. Uh, but it's very exciting. I'm very excited about the upcoming episodes and everything that uh, around after the gig. And I just wanted to stop and thank uh, really quick all the patrons on Patreon for the, your support over the last couple of years. It's been really, really... Um, it's just meant so much to me to have you guys uh, here and enjoying that content and supporting me and the page and, and uh, all that good stuff. So uh, I'm going to give you guys a few shout outs here. So Anne, Anne Stern, Emily Stewart, Adam Pod, Rebecca uh, Goumont, uh, Trip, GW, Susan, Kim Hunt, Matt Whitehead, Dave Miller, Kay, Sheila. Louise, Kenzie, Catherine, from all the way up in Canada, Catherine, Jessica, Stacy, and Christosis, Crystal, uh, the Lovitz, you guys are fantastic, you're all fantastic, Jessica Whitehead, uh, Deirdre, Deirdre, I always say it the wrong way, Jeff, uh, hopefully be seeing you soon in Indianapolis, uh, Carrie, and the Phillips gang, Sangita, David McCarthy, Chris Bona, uh, Aaron, Katie, Alyssa, Tim, Dawn, Evan, Nicole. You guys are the best. Thank you guys so much. Um, if you guys are interested, if anyone's interested in supporting After the Gig on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash after the gig and you can check that stuff out there. Right now I am doing 15% off the entire merch store. So if you are in need of a hoodie, a really comfy, awesome hoodie or a, uh, or a T-shirt or whatever, there's a lot of really, really great stuff there. Uh, use code HUMP100 for 15% off your entire purchase at afterthegigpod.com. Uh, that's it. We're in Boise right now. Carter's right next to me. He just went skating down the street. And he's sitting there with his readers and his massive Bud Light. There it is, proof. And uh, we're all sound checked, and we're getting ready. Boise, one of one of the favorite cities of the tour. So, 
enjoy the conversation with Cody. Uh, this was recorded a little while ago, so I'm not sure. There may be some references to some shows on some dates that have already happened because um, this was recorded before the summer break. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Cody is incredibly talented, and I believe he is currently over in the UK touring right now, but he should be back. Um, you know, I don't know when he's coming back, actually. I haven't, I haven't really looked. But enjoy the conversation, and I'll see you guys next week. If you have any questions or anything, email the podcast at afterthegigpod at gmail.com, and I'll be seeing you. Bye. to do this you were you had a gig or something either that night or you had just had something i can't remember exactly yeah. what it was well you know i've been playing at this place nick and knees a lot and is, uh, that, like, is that in providence yeah it's it's in providence okay uh, so like you know the lead singer the lead singer of the band that i predominantly tour with ward hayden and the outliers which we'll i'm sure we'll talk about he just had a newborn baby daughter Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was like, I need to be, you know, extra careful. Right. Like, we've all been extremely careful, but, you know, we we decided, well, you know, maybe we should keep the band. Like, we want to make sure the wheels are are still turning in Greece, so we're playing as well. Because Ward can sing the phone book. He can just show up and, and sing. Other Us other guys, we need to kind of keep keep the, uh, the stuff moving. So, like, we're playing, like, you know, it's like, it's a band called Sad Songs and Waltzes which is a Willie Nelson tune. Mm-hmm. So we're doing like just honky tonk covers and like George Jones and Willie Nelson stuff. And like, it's been cool. Cause like yeah, something I figured out over the pandemic, like when there's no gigs to prepare for, I have such a hard time practicing. Cause I don't know what to practice. Right. You know? So it's been, it's been cool to kind of like, you know, you, you play a song a million times, but you don't really ever know the song right you know it's i've found it's like a difference between knowing how to do something and truly knowing how to do something and really doing it yeah because when you're interacting with the other players and stuff it's it's a completely different ball game totally you can just kind of be like oh miss that chord yeah you know but (laughs) it's it's interesting when when there's nobody to kind of correct you but yourself i guess right so you know that it mostly the band was just like for me, when I started thinking about doing it, it was like, well, this would be a good thing for me to practice, A, because I enjoy it, and B, there's a lot of – it's like a gold mine of, like, musical stuff in it, I guess. You know? Right, right. Yeah, it's, it, it's tough to find that balance of, like, of practicing the stuff that you, you know, that you need to work on, and, yeah. which is not the fun version of practice. Exactly. The fun version is – what do you need to work on? You know, it's right. so subjective to everybody, I guess. Well, a lot of the stuff you do is like the honky tonk. Like I imagine, I imagine those, like, I don't know. You tell me like, are the licks that you have to learn? Is that a lot of, of um, uh, just like playing or learning other players licks, I guess. And then trying to incorporate them into you, into the song and your own playing. Like they're very specific sounding guitar parts 
Yeah, a, a lot of it. A lot of it stems from like, I mean, pedal steel. A lot of it sounds like people trying to play pedal steel, mm-hmm. which also led me to play pedal steel. You know? What oh, I you mean? play pedal steel too? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So right. it's like it's like, you know, the the country thing. It's so funny because a lot of those songs, a lot of those songs are all about the lyric. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like when when the band was like allowed to play like a solo section they'd be like the hottest jazz pickers like in the world right so like they're those those dudes are like masters of restraint i guess you yeah know? the playing like, like they, if, if you listen to any of those like solos even even you know fiddle parts the electric oh, the yeah. guitar parts like those those running solos those super it's mapped great. out they're incredible it's it's insane because it's like you know those dudes would just show up and play three chords and then, you know, like Ernest Tubbs or whatever would be like, all right, Billy Bird or whatever. And then like, it's off to the races for those dudes. And like, those dudes were all doing solo, like, you know, jazzy type records on their own throughout, throughout their careers of backing up like these monster country music stars, which was, it's crazy. It's crazy how much output those dudes had before. Oh yeah. It's It's crazy. It's nuts. How'd you get into that music? When I when I joined when I joined that band, I was like, you know, we'll call it like a like a bar band blues player type of guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was a lot of blues rock in me, and that's cool. But like, I had never listened to Hank Williams. I'd never listened to like you know Graham Parsons. Like I just hit, I was just missing that part of me, I guess. And like yeah. I grew up. I grew up listening to like nineties country just cause my parents always had it on. Right. Um, you know, so when I auditioned for the band, it was like, they're, they're all, they're all a little bit older than me. So it's kind of like going to school with those dudes. They're like, Oh, you've never listened to, you know, Marty Stewart before. And I've been like, I've heard of him. And they're yeah. like, he's like, well, listen to this. Well, you, <laughs> <laughs> you know that new sound, you know, that super old sound we've been looking for. That was exactly it. Listen to this. Yeah. So it was just a bunch, it was a bunch of that, you know? Nice. And, yeah. And that, that led me, it's funny. It like led me through like country music, hell, like just like really, really like listening to it. And now I'm kind of getting out on the other side where it's like, I'm back into like, songwriters and like okay you know what i mean i still love that stuff very much and i listen to it a lot but it it allowed me to kind of just push through and find more stuff by going back do you find yourself incorporating some of that playing into the the stuff you're into now like the songwriter stuff oh yeah oh yeah yeah i remember when when mills was doing his broadway thing um the uh uh uh, million dollar quartet and he yeah. had he had never really played any of that rockabilly stuff or really ever listened to it he was the same kind of like a so, like singer songwriter listen you know but whatever he, he was listening he, to at the time songwriter man i'm like i'm a huge fan yeah he's great um and when he got when he was doing that show and he had to learn all these different parts he was playing the carl's perkins carl perkins parts and he was doing playing that guitar and and then he had all the other actors who were super into that music uh billy woodward who was who is going to be a guest on this on the show i've already interviewed him but he uh was on the show with dan and 
I talked to him and that, that music like ran so deep in, in him and his family. So like, you know, when Dan was doing that show, he would come back to when we were playing shows and stuff a lot. Uh, he would come back to it and just like have all this new stuff, you know, he would have all these new licks and like new different things. And he was introducing us to different (laughs) songs. Like the Willie Nelson sings the hits. Oh yeah. That that album is like one of my favorite albums now, you know, uh, Columbus stockade, all that stuff. Like it's so fun. It's such fun music. It's, it's so, it's so funny. Like to like push farther ahead, like to push yourself farther ahead 99% 99% of the time you have to <clears throat> pardon me you have to like go back to right. like like with a fine tooth comb to like really see what you're missing cuz like it's the same thing with guitars man like every everybody is just trying to do what Leo Fender did with like a tel- like a telecaster and a strat like everybody's right. just trying to recreate the wheel but everybody keeps just going back and playing the same guitars you know what i mean yeah, yeah, they there try to push forward, and then they and they all. You're right; they revert back. The water back. There was something going on, you know. Yeah, it was a very inspired time in music. Yeah, I think you know. Well, that that and and there was there was um, a desire, you know, to go back to guitars, and even in studios, there was a desire for good quality equipment, like using good yeah. quality things and building things out of good quality things. There was it wasn't so much on what is like cost effective or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, with guitars, Mayer with a perfect example of this, you know, trying to recreate the vintage Stratocaster with the PRS Silver Sky is is they're trying to incorporate that uh the biggest thing about those guitars from what I've heard, I've never played one, but uh there's high end in the low end in the low strings, it has a snap to it and then there's a low end in the high end strings. So like it, you, you fill a full body of the spectrum. And, and from what I've heard from people that have played that guitar is like, it's probably the best attempt at a vintage instrument with the yeah. older body and all that stuff. It's so funny. Like the attempt at the vintage instrument. It's like, I wish, I wish we could all afford like the, <laughs> like, yeah. the old, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause the problem is you can't afford those old uh, guitars cause they're all in the tens out. of thousands of dollars. That's a down payment, man. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Yeah, down payment on a four, $400,000 house if if you are a first-time home buyer yeah, is is a vintage is probably not even as much uh, is probably less right. than it costs to buy a, a vintage strat. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, Unbelievable. What are you playing for guitars? I imagine uh, a telly. I'm going to guess a telly. I do have some tellies that I love. Um I got a I got a, well, my main telly is built by this guy, Nate Lord, Lord Guitars Amesbury. Shout out. He also, I'm going to lean over. He built me this, which, which is funny. It kind of ties into the rockabilly thing. It's like, it has like these crazy. That's sick. Rockabilly pickups in it. It's made by hand. Like he found this, he, there's no parts. He built the whole thing. So. Wow. Yeah. This it's. Dude. Yeah. This is like kind of my rockabilly guitar, but, uh. that's that's a pretty looking guitar. It's man. cool, right? It's I'm not I'm not I'm kind of boring uh, with like guitars. I like very like classic guitars, and that one was kind of he wore me down. He's like, you got to try it, man. You're gonna love it, and I did. So yeah. shout out Nate. 
I totally get like the one, like just having the classic, you know, like I got my strat, I got my telly, like this yeah, is, yeah, this exactly. is the thing. It does this thing. And, uh, it's funny cause the guitar player in my band is the same way. He doesn't have, he, I mean, he, he has tons of guitars, so he has, you know, um, his, his strat is actually, uh, not an Anderson. It's, uh, shit. He's going to kill me. Oh, there's so many strat. Like there's, there's so many strat, uh, you know, but, but the thing is like, he knows the guy that made it. The thing oh, sounds, cool. it, it feels incredible. Tom Anderson's it's, are nice. There's, sir. There's so many different like people making those guitars. It's like, yeah, but it's cool. It's cool that yeah. they're doing it and you have oh, the bo- the boutique thing. So you know that it's a little more special than going into a guitar center and pulling it off the shelf or, or, or whatever, you know, I have a hard time. I have a hard time with guitar centers. I just have Dude. a hard time. I can't. I, <laughs> I I could do a whole episode on how much I I despise <laughs> Guitar Center. Oh man, it's just like as soon as you walk into like what, what's that a vestibule? Like where you walk into like the little room before yeah. you enter the gates of hell. That's like purgatory. <laughs> yeah, where it has where it has all the uh, the signs with the pull tabs. Like call yeah, this number yeah, if you yeah, want to join yeah. my hard my hard metal band. Yeah, man, it's like. Like tired of shredding the guitar center, come shredding my basement. <laughs> you know, where definitely oh, no one will hear you. Oh my god, guitar center is rough. It's a rough. It's funny when they opened the guitar center in in Warwick. Um, when you know when we were in high school and stuff, like I used to go there all the time. I was definitely one of those kids because it was the first time a uh, yeah. an actual big, you know, guitar or drum store was open in in the you know general area because back then they were carrying really good stuff like really good stuff you know they had they had really like the the best strats they had the room with all the new prs's when prs's were were getting popular um they had great drums great cymbals where else is gonna be able to like you know physically touch like a guitar like that Right. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it really offers, it offers a place where like people can like, I don't know, give, give music a try. Cause there's more than, yeah. there's more than just like, you know, Oh, my dad got me a guitar. But like when you go into like a, a guitar shop like that, it's like a whole thing as a kid, you're like, Whoa, there's noise everywhere. What do these pedals do? Like, right. you know, it's, right. it's, it's cool. You know, I, it's, I, I got my first guitar from guitar center for sure. Yeah, definitely. I my I have a Les Paul that I got from there sitting in the other room. So I've been gassing for a Les Paul, man. I it's it's been, yeah, I've been missing him on sessions. Like a lot of session work that I do, I always am like, ah, man, I want a Les Paul, and I don't have one. I it would do, it would do the thing. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else notices, but me. But I, I was like, I'm always wanting, I'm always wanting one more tool. I guess you know. Man, it's. <laughs> I, I was talking to my buddy Sean, uh, who is a who who I don't know if he's still doing front of house sound for Brandy Carlisle, um, but he was at the time, and he was like, "Man, whoever has the most stuff when they die wins." <laughs> it was <laughs> like I, I have. A, he has a warehouse filled with gear, filled yeah. with gear, because it's always all about the next thing that you want to get. Like I, I have like. 
two drum sets and you know a couple guitars that I got my I have my eye on that I really really want. And they, do yeah, I need them? Yeah, it's it's on the grocery list, you know. Yeah, it's like it's if a I see this, it's a write off. Yeah, yeah. Right do, off, you even, do you even know what that means? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, the government government pays for it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Like you know, I <clears throat> it's so funny. I'll I don't know if this is the same for you, but like I'll I'll go through like spells of like talking myself into being like, oh, well, you know, I could really use this guitar and I think it would really serve me. <laughs> I think it would. It's <laughs> so much my wife about this. So much more room to do activities, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, so, listen, so. I can't do, I can't be authentic <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if I don't have this instrument. How am I supposed to play a dire straight song without a strat? Without a red, a candy red strat. How can I do it? I can't do it. You so can't. then you go by the strat and then you're like, wow, oops. <laughs> oops. <laughs> and, and then, and then you box yourself into dire straight songs for the next 10 years. Could be worse. Could, Could be, be way worse. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, Mark, Mark Knopfler is on my, he's my, in my top five. I love, I love Mark Knopfler. Well, you know, it's one of those, I think like everybody's goal, whether they know it or not, everybody's goal, no matter what instrument is to be like recognizable within like the first seconds of playing that instrument. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like if someone plays a G chord on this or if like you do a fill or whatever, you know, I'm rambling on, but what any instrument it's like to be recognized within the first couple seconds is like what everybody's certain, like chasing, you know, that's signa- that signature moment. Like, yeah, like the sound like nobody, nobody like that. Be- the beginning of, of rock and roll by, Led Zeppelin, like that exactly. drum fill. You you just know you know what what's happening. Exactly. That's, yeah. That, that's the goal. That's I want goal. that. <laughs> I I want that too. I want a strat, and I want to sound like myself on that strat. You know. I borrowed my guitar player's uh, three thirty five for like yeah. two months. I love I love three thirty fives. I have a soft spot for them. Um, they're such. They're like yeah. wonderful instruments. Some of them are tough. Some of them, well, you know, Gibson. Some of them are great. Some of them are not. When you find a good one, they're like, they're truly wonderful instruments. You know, that's so, that's very, very true. I've, I've found that with, with their acoustic instruments because I play, I play acoustic a lot more than I play electric. And, um, there's just some like J45s that I, I just, they're just unplayable to me or they sound, they feel, they feel weird. They sound terrible. They sound like really choked. It's, It's tough with that company, man. Like, yeah. Like, what is that? Why does that happen? Well, they, they start. Yeah, they started like you know. They just started putting profit over like the players, I guess. Like because back in the day, like Les Paul, the dude Les Paul, yeah, like he he like was like a mad scientist who like cared about. He was a ripping player too. Him and that him and his uh, records with Mary Ford, mm-hmm. like incredibly good records. And like yeah. you know, as time went on, like it just kind of turned into more like, Oh, how can we make money? Right. Like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of like assembly line shit, you know? Right. I mean? Right. You know? Yeah. I figured well, that there must've been a time where they, where they swapped over from, from like a, a more handmade, more hands-on to, to more machine, which I mean, you know, if, if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. Got to pump out guitars, man. People on the world, they need instruments. Pump them things up. They need those things to sit in closets. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah, the uh, the dentist guitar, 
like yeah, the, the 100%. beautiful yeah 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 the, the doctor well yeah and there and you know what those are the dudes who like who have like the money like oh five grand fuck it five grand and meanwhile sure. i can't afford that for a guitar are you kidding me i right. like it. so you know that, you need that, it i and i need it i need it that's a write-off it's a write-off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's in, it's interesting the uh the guitar the guitar thing yeah but uh 335 sorry no it's just it's great i had it for two weeks i didn't want to give it back and he was like hey uh you know the 335 that you have that's uh yeah. super so, sweet yeah can i <laughs> uh can i get that back it's like you don't need it dude he it's funny because he'll bring out he has his set he it, his guitar rack on stage yeah. is, is unbelievable. He has tons of instruments, acoustic and electric, but he usually has about, he, he usually brings out two Les Pauls. You know, one of them's in a different tuning. He has that yeah. Strat I was talking about. Sometimes he has a Tele um, and then some kind of big hollow body. So he has a couple of Gretches. He has that 335 and then he has two Firebirds, which are sick. They're so, yeah. and that's, so that's cool. rock and roll, man. That's so like, it's so rock and roll it's unbelievable stars like you better you better back it up if you bring if like you open a case and a firebird comes out it's like uh-oh <laughs> this guy better better yeah. do something with that yeah you gotta you gotta play you gotta rip if you're playing a firebird for sure <laughs> yeah um so what do you think about the providence music scene i i've never i don't yeah. i don't really participate i'm i'm yeah. down here in jamestown and i yeah. was in providence for a little bit but um I don't really know much about it anymore. Like what's, what's going on? I know a skew is, is pretty popular. I've been, I've been yeah, there a dude, couple of times. The, uh, dude, man, Mike, Mike who books the skew, he's a champion of the music scene. Yeah. Sure. It, it all in all in comparison to Boston where I used to live. Um, it's a lot. It, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it aside from it's a lot better from what just my opinion you know, it seems a lot, a lot more, a lot more people come out to other people's shows. It's is more what open, I'm, more open. It's a lot more open. You know, every time I'm playing a show, like dudes from other bands are just there. It seems like the nightlife is a lot more like geared towards supporting and surrounding music and art, which was like a big thing that in Boston, when you go out, it's like, I don't know anybody here. And yeah. like, and like nobody's from here and like you know it's just a very it's a very uh corporate feeling city in comparison to providence because providence like me and me and my girlfriend moved down here we didn't really know many people but every time we go out or every time i have a show or every time i see a show i know one more person each yeah. time and like everybody has been so cool it's uh I think the, I think the music scene's great, and I think a lot of people care about it. A lot more people care about it in other than other cities, from what I've seen. It seems like everybody wants they want people to be successful here, which I like. Yeah. yeah so I, sure. I think it's been cool. It's been very, you know, now that I just started doing like this solo thing, like I finished this solo record. I'm like I feel supported, and I feel like people want me to to do well here. Which is yeah. cool. You feel like you can go out and play, and there'll be people there that are into it. Exactly, exactly, man. It's like you know, in Boston they have Toad, in Cambridge, which like is one of my favorite places. 
But yeah. other Plow and Stars is is another yeah, pretty pretty vibe. good spot. Similar vibe. Yeah, but the the thing about Boston is like it's always been clicky. Like when I, I'm also a Boston to Providence guy. Where'd you um, where are you from? I well, I'm from Rhode Island, but I I went to Berkeley and I lived in Boston for twelve uh, years. Uh, yeah. So I, we moved back home in twenty nineteen when we found out we were pregnant. And um we, we lived in Providence for a couple of years and now we're looking for a house. So I live we're we're at living at my aunt's house in Jamestown, basically. So um but yeah, I mean I, that blues scene, kind of like the, the Q division people, um, you know, you have Will Daly, who, who is a, yeah, a big cool. guard. He's yeah. a cool guy. And he plays in Providence now too. He's actually in Providence. Uh, this, week, this weekend. It's this weekend. Pretty sure. Right. Yeah. So, um, you have those guys. I bartended up there for a while. So I got to know a lot of these guys through that route. And then I would basically come out from behind the bar sit in and be like whoa and then i started getting called for gigs oh. so um it was just kind of um like fell into it that way that route um because everybody likes a bartender you know it's true, it's true. <laughs> there's there's it's so funny because like i suppose you you could say this about any major city but like anywhere you turn in boston you're like oh wow here's like a murdering bass player oh for sure <laughs> you know what i mean like we just uh Ward Hayden and the Outliers just did a uh, two two singles that we're gonna release soon with um, Dave Minahan at Woolly Mammoth. Oh, sweet! Yeah, he, he like played in the replacements and stuff. He's cool. Um, and like, yeah, we're gonna be working with like Ed Velasquez too. Who like? Oh yeah, Ed's the best. He, he's the man. <laughs> he's Ed, the man. Ed produced two of my records. Oh, sick! Yeah, yeah he. Two- Two Love in Stockholm records. Very cool. He's he's a very cool dude, man. He came out to the Ward gig and like um that we did. And then the week later I played one of my first like solo band gigs. Mm-hmm. And he just came out. And like we need more people like that who are gonna like support people's people. You know, it's like in right. Providence, there's more people like that. Like a lot of people I would out. agree. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I you you run into a lot of a lot of people that would come to jams and stuff like that in Boston that were either students, you know, Berkeley students that wouldn't really come to hang. They would come with their gig bag on their back and just kind of stand in the corner and just wait for their chance when they yeah. wouldn't and wouldn't talk to anybody. Yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> kind of like they're mad dogging people. Like, what do you, yeah. Have yeah. Like, what do you have to prove, man? Yeah. It's like, first of all, everybody here went to Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And, uh, and you know it, it was just it was just kind of silly, but you you see that those kids are kind of in the beginning of their development. Like they'll probably get to that point where they want they'll be the supportive one that's hanging out in the in the spot, um, you know. But yeah, it, Providence, I I completely agree. Like the few times that I've hung out at Askew, I've um, you know ran into people that I knew, and right. and they're like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, just hanging out. I come here every Friday or or whatever, and. Uh, you know, the people that get on stage and the open mics, like you, you find some really talented people and then even the not so talented ones, they have people there supporting them. You know, it's, it's yeah, great. Like, Providence has been cool, man. Cause it's also like a great city to like tour out of. Like it's kind of in the middle of a lot of things. It's not far. Right. Outside, like, you know what I mean? So like you can any, like any park and ride that you would have to leave your car at is mm-hmm. within 
45 minutes. You know what I mean? Like you gotcha. can, you can get to basically anywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's easy. I mean, the, the drive from Providence to New York feels like nothing compared to what, right. what it was from, from Boston. That hour, that hour or so is, you know, that, that's what uh, separates the pros from the not so pros, you know, yeah, the, the hour on 90, just, just, well, uh, yeah. Right. Well, it's like, you know, my, my girlfriend's from Maine mm-hmm. and like we were living in Boston, like when the pandemic started and we were living in a really small place and we were like, well, you know, what about Maine? Like moving like, you know, Portland or whatever. And it's like, you don't want to be at the end of a tour and then like everybody's dropped off or whatever. And then you have two extra hours afterwards. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. with Providence, you're not the last person to get like dropped off. You know, right. you're like, see you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good yeah. luck with the rest of your drive. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bed. Portland would be a sweet spot though. Like, yeah. I, I love it up there. It's just a little too far. A me. little too far. A little too far. That, I mean, it's, it's fun though. I'm so bummed that Port City Music Hall closed. Dude. Oh so, so bummed. I, I, we played last time I played there was with uh, the Mallet Brothers band. Okay. And they're, they're like a brother, brother band. And nice. they, they're like a good, just like rock and roll, like alt country, like, but they have songs too. You know what I mean? Right. So they, they really, they really do it for me. They're a good man and they're cool. Nice. Well, uh, yeah. Well, at Port City Music Hall. So we were playing there with them. We were opening for them because that's like, you know, that's their home base. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we play our set, packed house. It's like five degrees outside. It's like Maine cold. It's not It's not Rhode Island cold. It's Maine cold. It's always cold when we play there, too. We play there in November, usually. Oh, man, it's cold. And, like, you know, we uh, we start, you know, you know the thing is, like, a direct support. Like, when you're done, cable wrap. Get off the stage. The yeah. drummer, like, Josh Kiggins, my favorite drummer on the planet. He's, he's the guy. But uh, he puts puts his cymbal bag on his back he's stepping off the stage fire alarm goes off oh man where's where's that dog when you need him you know what i mean (laughs) fire alarm goes off everybody like starts looking around at this point i'm on i'm holding like my amp my pedals like we're looking around and like the crowd's like what's happening and it's like it's like a fucking strobe light like club now and it's like everybody had to you know vacate like right so everybody's out in the street. Everybody's drinking in the street and crazy. The Mallet Brothers band smoked so much weed in their green room that they, <laughs> that, 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 that they set it off. And it was the cool, it was like the most rock and roll thing I've ever seen. It was so funny. That oh, is those incredible. Are cool. Yeah, they're cool. They're really, they're really, really nice dudes. What yeah. happened when they co- came back up? Everybody when, else, everybody else came back in and they just like tore the place a new one, man. It was cool. That's so cool. Nobody was mad. That's those dudes. Those dudes know how to do it. Best part about that green room up there is there's a window that you can go out onto the roof of the of the adjacent they're, they're, building. They're professionals. They're professional. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was, I, it was pretty cold, so maybe the window was closed. But mm. yeah, that, that's a funny. That's a funny. That's, right. that's a pretty funny Portland story. That's right. Of course, the the window was closed. It was five degrees out. It was man. It was like, it was cold. Man. It was really cold. Yeah. Yeah, but now now 
I guess there's a new spot up there called uh, the the Portland House of Music that I've never been to, but I've heard good things about, and it's kind of like a similar medium-sized venue like that because otherwise you either have to go to the big spot or which I can't do you know the name of the big the big place I can't remember yeah uh, state theater state the state theater or like one Longfellow square which is tiny yeah that's a small one yeah but yeah so tell me about your uh, your solo album well you know it's uh it's funny because I've been like a side man I love doing the side man thing I love doing the session uh, the session thing. Cause I think, I feel like I'm pretty good at it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, but like every time I've always like, you know, dabbled in writing songs, you know, and every time I'd be playing a session or like, you know, doing side gigs, I was like, man, I wish the song did this. Okay. I, wish, I wish the melody was this. I wish this was all this. So, you know, that is always, that's always kind of been a thing for me, like I've always just kind of had like the back of my brain, like writing songs over other people's songs, like when I'm doing it. Right. And, you know, I'd always had like a hard time writing songs just cause like, you know, I'd, I'd listen to like a Bruce Springsteen record and then I'd end up like churning out like two Bruce Springsteen sounding songs. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. You know? Um, so, you know, I get sober and then writing songs gets a little easier and it gets a little easier and it gets a little easier. And then I have like 20 songs that like I feel are pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, my buddy, Sean McLaughlin at 37 foot studios, I do so much work out of there. Like I play on so many people's records out of there. So I'm thankful for him for always hiring me. It's like, Hey man, I want to do a record. We have X amount of sessions on the books. Do you want to just trade my sessions for, these oh yeah so i do i do the record in a couple days with josh that drummer i was talking about he plays with ward hayden too great yeah it's all all very small circle and uh uh, matt murphy on bass who plays in elon jewel's band it's tough to to have the name matt murphy and play bass and not guitar (laughs) right it's great (laughs) (laughs) he's a funny dude so like you know i do the record and like the rhythm section did their thing. I played everything else on it. Um, we had this, this girl, Mia, um, I'm going to butcher her name. Boostrom, Boonstrom. She killed the background vocals. So that was quick. And then we had, you know, seven songs that I'm pretty proud of. And then my buddy Graham in Providence, he owns a, he owns Uptown Sound. It's above the Columbus theater. Oh, cool. The music yeah. the studio above the Columbus theater. He was like, hey, if you want to ever come and do a single or whatever, you know, just let me know and we'll do it. So I did another one and I just put it on the record, too. So, yeah, it's like my first record, man. And I'm like, I'm proud of it. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Also, like once you do the record, like you do your first record kind of clears the pipes. Mm. Like more songs start happening once you can stop thinking about, you know what I mean? It's 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 interesting. How did you did you feel that? um that getting sober was the main the main way you had an easier time writing songs and not making them sound like other songs or um, yeah i don't know necessarily about making them sound like other songs but the the whole so like the whole sobriety thing it was crazy because 
you wake up, you wake up and there's no like, there's no like, what's the word? There's no hurdles. Yeah. No hangover or fog. You're not like, you're not chasing that cup of coffee or whatever you need. And you're not, there's nothing like emotionally weighing on you or like Mm -hmm. mentally, like it's just once, once that happens, every single thing got easier for me personally. Yeah. 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 So that it, it definitely helped my songwriting process. It was like I would write like two songs a year to like two songs a, like a week or a month. You know, it was just Great. like, yeah, it's 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 been good for me. That's awesome. And you see, like, do you have touring plans around it, or are you doing yeah. one-offs? For now, for now, it's like you know, I've never done, I've never done like the band leader thing. Like I said, okay. yeah, it's been like very. Uh, I'm realizing I've always known music is hard, but like there's, it's like a full-time job, like just getting your shit together, like literally and figuratively, like when it comes to releasing music, you know, yeah, we're living in an age where like, you can't just be like, here's my record on Bandcamp. Right. Right. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work like that. So, you know, touring, touring with Ward Hayden and the outliers it's picking up again, which is great. We're going to be in Europe the whole month of October. Great. Where in Europe? Uh, so usually we do like six weeks. Um, this week, this year, we're doing only like four or five, I think. It's going to be Switzerland, Belgium, France, Spain. I think just those. And then That's, uh, that's awesome. We're going to do, we usually do Norway and Sweden as well. But I think we're going to, that's going to be spring or something like that. Okay. I don't know. We're, so it must be, yeah. It must have a pretty good following over there because that's not a normal thing that most bands from over yeah. here. People, do. people love, people love, you know, quote, real country music. You know, it's like, it's, it's funny. Like you, you know, a lot, a lot of tours over there, like one night you'll be playing in like a restaurant. Right. But the right. next you'll pull up to like this big, like, I don't know what to call it, like a huge gymnasium thing. And there's like French people in full Western regalia, like the whole, like no joke, like a full cowboy boots, like cowboy hats, like spurs. And they're like, they're like line dancing. (laughs) They're line dancing. And we're playing like Chuck Berry songs. Like we're like, what is happening? (laughs) It's, it's hard the best way, man. It's, it's so, it's so wild to, that you know, is incredible. You know, France, France, and and that's like France especially is like such like a. I mean this, and it's it's truly like the opposite of here. Like everything is just so different, and like mm-hmm. you know, I'm thankful that I've been able to kind of like, you know, I've never been to Paris, but I've been to like Lyon and like Capone and like all these like I've been like to the smaller places. Okay. So like, I've actually, I've had dinner with like, where the real people are, where the real people are. You know what I mean? It's like, like, you know, they're not speaking English to you. So so learn how to say bathroom. (laughs) Nor do they want to. No way. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like Scandinavia is so not easy, but it's a lot, it's a lot more Americanized in the, you know, you can, you can kind of like just assimilate. Mm-hmm. Simulate, yeah, simulate. Yeah, sure. That's the word. I don't know. 
We're musicians. I'm fucking yeah, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> but you can you can kind of you know blend in a lot easier and like it's an easier transition to kind of get into the touring mode. Yeah, I always found um, whenever whenever I've been over there, it's been at a very small capacity. Like we played um, a place in London called the Barfly, which is a very it's like super small clubs and kind of like street uh, festivals, you know, cool. where, where many different people, I can't even remember the names of the festivals right now, but they play in, in, in interesting, like little venues. And, you know, one of them was, was, uh, on like a boat restaurant kind of thing that they converted into a restaurant, uh, converted into a venue for this, for this, uh, this street festival, which was really, really cool. It was, it was amazing. I think it was in Bristol, in Bristol in, uh, in the UK. Um, but yeah, they, it, it's very interesting over there how how accepting of so many different uh, yeah. uh, you know types of music, genres they love of music. music in Europe, man. They really love, they love American music. Yeah, for sure. And dude, I am just picturing, I cannot get the visual out of my head of like the French people dressing in full Western gear. <laughs> line it's, dancing. Like, it's like it's Christmas. But this is real. This is a real thing. I love and it. Like, you know, we'll play like, we'll play like, you know, a lot of original tunes, a lot like, you know, covers. Like sometimes those gigs are like, you know, you play an hour, you take a break, then you play an hour again or whatever. Okay. And like most of them are original tunes. We do like some, we do some Hank Williams, Chuck Berry. Like we just do like older shit and like they'll line dance to everything. And there's a lot of clapping on the one and the threes. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> oh baby. So that's, that's my, always that's my that's my favorite. <laughs> you know, and like a lot of these people, like the last time I went over there, I I played, I brought the steel, I brought the pedal steel with me. Okay. And like, you know, people in America don't know what the pedal steel is. A is lot that tough to time. travel with? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. It's like a hundred pounds. It's a pain in the ass. But nothing sounds like it, you know. Right. It's just, you know, if people in America are confused by what a pedal steel is, people in France, it's like it's like they've seen an alien. They're like, what? <laughs> They're like taking pictures of it, like the underbelly of it. Like, it's so funny. It's, so funny. it's so trying funny. to reverse engineer it. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to go back, man. I really. The first couple times I went, I had a hard time, just because you know it's totally it's so different. But okay. Now, okay. now I'm like really wanting to go back. Hard time, just like new place, like stressful yeah. kind of thing. I, I had never been to Europe before touring. Okay. First time, the first time I went to Europe was like seven weeks. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Uh, that's a long, that's such a long time. It's a long Especially. time. Maybe six weeks. I might be embellishing, but. Still long. It, it all turns in. It all turns into one long day after after a while. So true, you know, true. like the first, it was mostly the first time I had a really difficult time with, uh, just because like it's so different. It's such a long time to not be surrounded by familiarity. I guess that's true, dude. Yeah. When I was um, when I was a kid, I would I would get afraid of like getting lost a lot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, still afraid of that as like a grown adult. Yeah. Well, the the only reason why I'm not really well, first of all, we have technology like 
the things in our pockets just tell us where we are at all times. Pocket computers, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I don't know why it would, would, would happen or where it came from, but, yeah. you know, then my first time going to Europe was with was with my now wife, then girlfriend. Uh, she's, she's from Ireland. So we were going to visit her home and spend time with her family and stuff. And, and I just get, I get really stressed out when it comes to traveling and being on time and, and, and keeping the schedule, you know what I mean? Very, very weird like that. And, um, you know, just being in, in an unfamiliar place and uh especially as a guy with with Crohn's disease I'm always like where is oh. are there any bathrooms in Ireland uh am I going to be okay <laughs> you know? yeah. just, um, just these unreasonable thoughts it's like it's going to be yeah. fine it's funny like it's funny when you're taken out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. how fast like your manageable anxiety becomes unmanageable right. because you can't manage like some things you can't change, but if you're in Europe, there's a lot of shit you can't change because you're right. In, you're in Europe. It's yeah. crazy. Like I don't even know how you do your addresses over here. Yeah, you know where? How do you use a phone? Right. You know, well, aside from your pocket computer phone, but I'm talking like I'm talking like how do you like how do I ask someone? It's so it's so especially in like non English speaking countries, it's yeah. like what what which is funny like you know. In, in like Scandinavia, like in Sweden or Norway, like we'll be, you know, in the middle of nowhere, like the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And we'll pull into this gas station that has not seen someone in like four hours. You know what yeah. I mean? Like one of those types of places. And you'll walk in and you'll be like, um, hi, sorry. And like, you're like apologizing for your English speaking. And they're like, oh no, it's totally fine. I speak English. Oh, that's nice. It's great. It's so funny how like, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but it's just like in Scandinavia, it's been very easy because everybody over there speaks English so well. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I was in, um, in Copenhagen in, yeah. uh, for, for a little bit, uh, on, on vacation with, with my wife, my wife. And, um, <laughs> we, uh, we got off the plane and this is a place that we had both never been before. So she works for Marriott and we, we, we got a good deal on one of the Marriott's like right in the middle, middle of town there. And, uh, we, we needed a, a cab to get there and the cab driver just seemed so mad at us for some reason. I was like, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I didn't know what was going on and come to find out like all the interactions that we had with, with those people like they're just very forward they're very upfront and they and they have no there's no like just being nice just to be nice totally it's like they will tell you exactly what they need what they want what's going on all business man it's all all business business, all business all the time over there and i actually over over time over the course of the the few days that we were there i actually really liked it (laughs) i really really, like got used to it i was like oh there's no like bullshit <laughs> yeah exactly well, there's, something, there's something to be said there's something to be said for that like something i'm trying to do like if something like you know makes me uncomfortable or like pisses me off like i'm trying to be like okay why and is it me like yeah. you know what i mean like before like 
if someone was like direct with me or straight straight up with me i'd be like well why 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 are you being a dick (laughs) but now p i i value people who are just like no bullshit it's just like here's what you have to do here's when you have to be there thank you that's like great you know for sure for sure yeah there's different you learn a lot you learn a lot with different cultures like being in different cultures i think i think it's that's a big thing that's like one of my favorite things is why we do this like we get to we get to learn shit that like you can't learn necessarily in a book, I guess, you know, I think it's cool. It's well, even, even like, you know, politically just, yeah. just traveling around the country yeah. and, and just seeing like, Oh, wait a minute. No, you can't just put this like blanket idea over, totally. the, over the entire country because these people do not live the same way as us. And that's fine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? So a lot of people don't understand that. You need to get out and get some perspective no shit. It's easy. It's easy to have, it's easy to hate everything and everybody. If you only know, you know, X amount of square miles in your town, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's a lot of, a lot of people who are like that, you know, they just haven't, I don't know. They're, they're a product of their environment, I guess. Yeah. They they just haven't had the, you know, experience like get out, get out, leave your hometown, get out of there. Get out of there. We did it. We went to Boston. Yeah. That's so funny. We went an hour away. That's right. It still counts, man. It does it count. It still counts. It's still, still a goal. You know? It does count. Um, well, what do you have coming up this weekend? I can't remember if you mentioned it already or not. Uh, this weekend, tonight. Tonight I'm playing in Yarmouth, Mass. Yarmouth. Yeah, at the Cape Cod Music Room with Ward Hayden and the Outliers. Great. And uh, that's it this weekend. When are you back in Providence? Or at, at, at playing in Providence, I should say. I'm playing, I'm playing, I lied. I'm playing in Providence with the Honky Tonk Country Band on Sunday at Nick and East. All right. I have, to check this, I have to check this place out, Nick and East. Cool. It's, like, it's like a concrete floor, like real Honky Tonk dive bar. And like there's like a pool league that's like playing constantly. Love that. It's pretty cool, man. It's it's pretty cool. But you know, I'm uh I'm gonna be doing a lot more solo stuff with a yeah, with a band. Yeah. A lot more I'm 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 full court pressing my uh songs. I'm gonna do it. Dude, that's so uh so when when is that gonna be available or is it already available? We're, I'm gonna release it in September twenty twenty two. You know, I'm gonna put out a couple singles before and you know it's uh a lot of it, I mean, luckily, luckily Ward's like a very supportive band leader. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wants us to, he wants us to like write tunes and play gigs and do what we got to do. Cause like the bass player of the band, Greg Hall is like also an incredibly good songwriter. Not saying I am, but Ward and him are incredibly good songwriters. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny. It's like, it's like, it's a very supportive um, environment to be in as like, a musician as like a friend, you know, like I said, there are a lot, like I'm 29 and Ward, Ward is 40. Okay. So they're, they're older than me. So like, you know, I get a lot of advice, like they're supportive. And like, if, like I said, like I value people who are no bullshit. And sometimes when I need like to be shot straight, they'll give it to me like that. They'll tell me, Hey man, not cool. Hey man, this doesn't work. Right. You know, so it's, because of that, like it really, 
they've pumped my tires as far as like I'm I want to do as much as I can musically because of the because of being in such a good environment. Yeah. You know, really it can be that. it can be tough to navigate that a lot. Like you say, you know, that's that's really great. You're in that situation where you have supportive bandmates that don't mind you going off and doing what you want to do, which is which I think, you know, a, as a musician, you have to keep your option options open. I think I think doing as much as you possibly can because you never know when something's going to end or or whatever. Um, you know, if I if I want to play a gig and Ward doesn't have a gig, hey man, is this cool? He's like, go for it, take it. Yeah, You're there. yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like I've been I've been in before. I did like the whole original band, like original music thing. I played in like a wedding band, which I mean, mm-hmm. all of us have done that because you got to do it. Got to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I I because of that my my repertoire and is like all of the I just know a lot of songs and I got a lot better as a player and a musician because of that but you know 3 years every weekend no joke every weekend Friday Saturday Sunday for 3 years straight I got the word call and I was like hey man I need to sub out two weddings this year cuz I'm auditioning for this band all hell broke loose oh yeah you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you're blah, 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 blah. So I knew right then and there I couldn't play with people who weren't going to be like supportive of me. Yeah. And it's a good I've, lesson to learn. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky to have found that in this band. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like they, they care about me like on like a homie level. Like we're, we're, we care for each other like that. So I think it's cool. It's good. Very supportive. Hey, it's like, hey guys, you got an in demand player right here. You want that? <laughs> I'm trying. You I'm want trying, that? Man. Um, yeah, man. And and the 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 good thing, like the good side of weddings, everyone says like, oh, the GB gig, the GB, the, the wedding gigs and all that stuff. It's like it's it's, you know, um, it's always looked at as a, uh, as like a, a I guess a bad thing. I don't know. Amongst it's musicians, a negative, a negative well, it's like, thing. It's like as soon as as soon as like, you know, you quote like you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. Like you're just better than it. For a lot of play, for a lot of musicians, I feel like that's like how they view it. Yeah, but I mean, when you when you like think of it, of what it actually is, like you are a p- playing music, a part of like what right? is what is like the best day of these people's lives. <laughs> like, and you get to see, and you get to see a a whole like huge like a huge um, demographic of audience. You know, you have, you have the old people. Do you know any, uh, play Motown, you know, some stuff like that. And, and you really see what people like and what they want. And, um, and it makes you, it makes you such a better player. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, you know, before that, like before that I, I could sing, but like it taught me how to sing harmonies. It taught Mm -hmm. me like, the importance like of not just singing the same notes or, or with somebody it's like the vocal inflections and harmonies are so important yep. and like just all that type of stuff. It really, it really like kind of, it, it kicked my ass for a couple of years. Cause like you had to learn a lot of songs and you had to like do it. Yep. And I think, I think it, I think it's a, I think it's a helpful thing. I think everybody should, Everybody should do it for a while because it makes you a better player. Yeah, and you just playing with people, just play, play with people. Playing with people is huge. 
Yeah, that's big. Um, all right, man. Well, this this was great. This is fantastic. Awesome. It was so great to talk to you. Yeah, it's up. Feelings mutual, man. I'm very happy to do it. Keep on bringing me down